We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, folks, what's good? We are back. Uh, Another episode of Ain't No Seats podcast. And folks, the Kansas basketball Jayhawks are playing on Monday night. They've got a matchup with the North Carolina Tar Heels, as blue as it gets. Uh, I mean, yesterday went as as good as we could have possibly hoped for. We, We talked a whole lot of scenarios, close games, blowouts, Duke winning, North Carolina winning. Ultimately, when it was all said and done, when you sat there at the end of the night, you couldn't have asked for anything better. We see Coach K lose. We can talk more about that later. But, I mean, B-turn, the Hawks just rolled. We really didn't even have to stress much in a Final Four game. Feels like this team's hitting a gear that they haven't hit all year. How good does it feel? We've said forever with this podcast how badly wanted we wanted this team to go on a run. And honestly, national title didn't even seem realistic at times. And here we are. We're favored in a national title game. And the Hawks play about 24 hours from right now. So how are we feeling? How good does it feel? I uh, feel amazing, obviously. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the nerves were super high going into last night just from previous matchups against Villanova and things like that, 16 and 18 and – we obviously, I mean, we want to win a natty for the pod, but we desperately want Bill to get another ring just to, I mean, it would basically solidify him as the best coach in KU history if he's not already. But, yeah, they come out super hot. They get out, they get up 10 to nothing, I believe. And Ochai had some of the wettest threes in the history of the sport. Like, Literally. There was four, there was about four in a row that didn't hit the rim. And Remy was hitting threes. I think Jalen finally hit one. And then Dave picked I mean, I wouldn't say the best night, but one of the best nights possible to have his best game of the year in a season high. Yeah. I mean, the Dave performance was – I we, we've we've joked about it. We've talked about it. Dave's been as just a hot topic on Twitter timeline with KU fans. The guy at times is – as you've, you've questioned whether or not he should even play at the Big 12 level, which was obviously stupid, but obviously Dave's had his struggles. He's battled the foot injury, which I don't think we ever knew how bad it was. But to see Dave, and I tweeted this last night in AB, I mean, Dave is one big game. If Dave goes for 20 and 10 tomorrow and we win the game, he's going to be in the rafters. How hilarious of a thought is that? He'll win MLP. That makes you an auto rafters guy. Big Dave McCormick will be in the rafters forever. How hilarious is that? It would be so funny after everything we've said about him for 
four years now. I mean, between the foot bet for you cutting it off if he wasn't a top 100 player to us bitching about him not being consistent enough or being too big of a spaz to see it all. And we've said it, I think we said it last week. If he just puts together two or three more good games, no one's going to remember any of that. And everyone's going to remember him as a legend. And he's one game away, 40 minutes away from doing that. Dude. I mean, even at this point, like if you don't, we said, I said last pod, like Dave played incredible in the Texas game that won us the big 12 regular season played incredible. Um, and then elite eight game against Miami. He was good against Texas tech, but we were kind of trying to rest him. But like that man shows up in the biggest stage at the biggest moments. And he's like, I mean, even last year when he really came on, like in the Baylor game at home, like he's just kind of been a guy that seems like maybe those smaller games that don't mean as much. He's he, he hasn't shown up, but when it matters, that dude comes to play. And obviously the one, two punch of Oach and Dave was as good as it gets yesterday. But Beecher, and the thing that kind of stood out to me is we won that game handily, pretty easily. We never really had the stress, and you didn't get much from Remy. You, di- I mean, CB had his moments. We'll talk about his moments because they were big, but you didn't get a ton from CB. Jalen was fine, rebounded well. I mean, I think he had 11 and 12, so Jalen was good, but you still felt like Jalen could have hit more shots. So, like, I don't know. Obviously, we'll, we're, you can't replicate what you get from Oach and Dave again. You can't expect that, but – we did just handle a two seed pretty easily, whereas I felt like we we still had some left to give from our other guys. So how I mean, how how good do you feel going into Monday night based on how everyone's looking? Yeah, I feel great. I feel like there's a ton of confidence uh, throughout the group. I mean, and they seem so locked in is the biggest thing. Like you just see it from the interviews, from the videos after the game. They just don't look like they're pleased, really. Like they're not satisfied yet. And I kind of said it after the Miami game, like that second half against Miami, I felt like was going to give them a boost of confidence going forward because they outscore a hot team that beat Auburn, who, I mean, at one point was the number one team in the country and they dominated Auburn and KU's down six at half and they outscored 47 to 15 in the second half. And Remy really willed us against Creighton and Providence. And then Oach kind of had some pressure on the Elite Eight, went off and now he, I don't think he received a vote for National Player of the Year. He seemed a little motivated by that, too, last night. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So, Oach just – I mean, Oach looked amazing. Like, <clears throat> I think he missed a pull-up jumper and a wide-open three in the corner when we had basically iced it. So, yeah, wow. I just – I feel like these dudes are really confident. Bill Self said for the last month or so that they just know they're really good and they have that swagger and cockiness that I just love. Yeah, I mean, it was – We've said it, and at some points I wondered if we were kind of just full of crap because, you know, we're idiots at times. But, like, this team, and I think it's very clear now, this team was not happy to be here. We we pegged Villanova as the happy-to-be-here team, um, and that just seemed so true. Like, it, the revenge that we got – I mean, I don't, we never got up 22-5, to five, but, my goodness, what were we up, 18-4? to four? Like, we were up quite a bit. We got it up 38-19, to 19, like – they struck back a little bit, but man, it was just this team came. They showed up on a mission. I love how they keep talking about how they're doing this for the 2020 team, things like that, just because this team, it just feels so much different than it did in 2018, the way we've, we've shown up and just seem ready to genuinely win a national championship. Like you kept just hearing, even after the game, as the players are walking off the court. One more, one more, Monday night. Like, it was it was a quick little celebration. You, you, you never want to take for granted winning a Final Four game because those are really hard to do. But to 
just move on quickly and be ready for Monday night. Uh, it feels good. Um, AB, you're a big Dewan guy. And before we get into talking North Carolina, I, w- I want to talk more about this game. The fan ba- we you talk fan base and criticism. We talked Dave. But how nice was it to see Dewan Harris, a guy that's been questioned all year, not being good enough to be a starting point guard in a Final Four team, not being a good enough offensive guy, can't shoot. I think Dewan Harris made outside of maybe the Christian Brown shot late. Like Dewan Harris, we were down, we our lead got cut to seven, and Dewan came down and just answered with a three to get it back to double digits. Just as a big Dewan guy, how happy are you to just see that Dewan kind of silenced anyone that could doubt him at this point? One with defensively and his offensive game. I was so juiced about it, and it was like the last thing I expected too. Because every time you play in like a big football dome or anything, everyone's always worried about the shooting. And obviously, everyone shot well, but for Dewan to hit three threes in the game, yeah. like that's just unbelievable. Plus, he played incredible defense on Gillespie, which obviously we talked about all week that was important so seeing my point guard show out a little bit was uh it felt great and hopefully he's got one more in him but i mean that's it's exactly what you expect out of dewan plus a little bit on top so just thrilled to see it all my uh my love toward him for the past two or three months is just paying off he's uh he's six for ten from three in the tournament it's like like that 12 days a week creighton and providence game it's like the game plan is not even to guard him and he's just sitting on the three-point line by himself, and he looks hesitant to shoot it, which is kind of weird to me because I thought last year in the tournament we only played two games, but he shot it well, and he's a guard. Like, if you're that open, just let it fly. And yeah. the, I think the confidence thing you asked me a little bit ago, like with Dewan, like going into tomorrow night, like how can you not be super confident? Like the way you lock up defensively and, you know, you can knock down the occasional jumper. Yeah. It – I will say it'll be interesting to see how we go tomorrow just because tomorrow's going to be a very different style. I mean, you go from Villanova who plays so slow and I haven't had I haven't really looked at where tempo-wise North Carolina, but I've seen North Carolina enough in my life to know that this team wants to run. Um and you know it was wild and so to kind of get off track here, but we we said the whole time if we can get out and run, if we can get out and run, we'll blow Villanova out. But if this game turns into a half-court game, then it means we're force-feeding Dave. Then that kind of gets worrisome. You know what? You want to know how many fast break points we had yesterday? Anyone know? Because I know the answer. Zero. We had zero fast break points. Isn't that nuts? So, I mean, we just played as good as it gets offensively in the half-court, something that this team doesn't really – too much. So I, I this from I believe CJ Moore's article uh, in the Athletic, but he said the thing is the thing about no one does the, no one does this to Villanova. You have to go back to 2017 to find a higher efficiency mark against the Wildcats. This one was the sixth best ever offensive efficiency against a Jay Wright defense, according to Kim Palm. It was the second best Mark KU put up all season, which the other one was against Missouri, which is obviously a very bad team. So it's a little different. Um, But like CJ laid it out. Like he was like, this was one of the best offensive performances in Kansas history, 81 points in 58 possessions without 
a transition bucket against a team that like that's what Villanova wanted. They didn't want us to run, and we kind of let them slow the game down. It was the slowest game we played all year, according to this thing, this article. So to see us kind of like take our offense and do it in a different way. We saw the way we could do it against Miami on the run. And then we just change it and do it in the half court against Villanova. Like it makes me feel so good about this team. They're just, they're playing like a national title team. It just makes you think they can win in different ways. Obviously we said North Carolina is going to run more, but if they do decide to slow it down and try and beat us that way, I mean, there's nothing that it seems like there's nothing that's going to throw the Hawks off their game at this point, at least offensively. So you got to love that. I didn't know it was the slowest pace we played all year because even watching it like i didn't think it was that slow like maybe it's Mm. because we scored 80 points and we're just hitting every shot we took and they were hitting a bunch of shots too like i don't want to forget about this like nova i don't think nova played that bad of offense (laughs) yeah they made 13 threes threes, it's insane (laughs) yeah and it other i mean it got to six at one point but then we got it right back up to 12 or 13 it's just it really never felt like a game and i know we were getting nervous because we're ku fans and we've seen it before but I've talked to people that didn't have any skin in the game who said even when that game got cut to six, it felt like KU was still up by 16 points. It's like from a yeah. neutral eye, it just felt like KU was in control the entire time, led wire to wire. And So, uh, yeah, it was – so B-turn, when – I mean, did you – kind of going on what AB just said there, did you – I got nervous because I, and I was very impressed with how our team responded, but it's like when you come out and you punch a team like that in the mm-hmm. face – and it felt like there was a chance for us to just blow that game out and it was never going to get back under single digits. And so when it did a couple times, Gillespie hit some big shots, Slater started to heat up, and it really did get kind of stressful down to six at one point, got to seven. Um, I mean, how, how nervous did you start to get B-turn and just how impressed with you are, are you with the guys for just constantly taking the punch and punching right back to grow that lead again? Yeah, I got very nervous when uh, Jermaine Samuels had the hand one to get it to six because at that point on offense, there was about, I think, three or four possessions in a row where it was either Dewan or Remy each time just pounding it into the floor for like 22 seconds, and then they would go. So it was like four straight possessions that were terrible, and then I remember it was like 50 to 39, um, and Daniels hit a three off like a – it like went out of bounds off us when we could have had a rebound. It's like – there's so many second chance opportunities by them and they would hit big threes. Like we all talked about it on Twitter when literally Colin Gillespie dribbled the ball out of bounds by himself, <laughs> goes the timeout and then you come back and you just know they're going to score and they hit a three there. I think yeah. Brandon Slater hit a three there. So yeah, it was like, cause it, like 18 when they punched us in the mouth too, is kind of funny. Cause I went back and looked at that score and we were down 15 and a half. And like yeah. we were up 11 yesterday. So it's like really not that. But in 18, it just felt like there's no chance. Like there's no that's, way KU's coming back. That's the thing. The KU team in 2018 was trying to punch back. Like they they were still putting up points. And I mean, we I think, AB, you always say the thing where we scored on how many straight possessions and like, didn't cut into the lead. Like just outrageous things. But it it was crazy. I mean, it it's kind of worrisome to think that we played that well offensively and now it feels like or I don't know AB you can correct me if I'm wrong do you think like do you think the best case scenario for us to beat North Carolina is to and this kind of goes back to our thing we've debated all year do we want this game to kind of turn into a defensive battle because we are a way better defensive team than them way better um 
and we've gotten really good defensively these last few weeks. We're also a little bit better of an offensive team, but just the history of North Carolina, seeing what they did with Duke late in that game, Caleb Love is just electric. Like, do we want to just go out and run and gun with them and try and outshoot them? Or would you prefer this game to be in like the, I don't think this game is going to be in the sixties, but would you prefer like upper sixties, lower seventies rather than like an 85, 80 type game? I think I'm going to go with just the run and gun, uh, but it's, it's not really because of their strategy. It's more of they only play like six dudes and Baycott's on a sore ankle and who knows how that's going to react. I just, yeah. I mean, they've played so many games. I know we both have because, you know, we, you know, it's it's March, so you just play a lot of games. You're playing all the time. But they've just played so many games with high emotions, and it felt like their March Madness started, like, in February because they were on the bubble. So they've yeah. just exp- been expending so much energy with so few dudes that I'm almost just kind of like, just run, run, yeah. and just make them tired, maybe get them in foul trouble in transition. I don't know. But yeah. I'd rather that than try and slow it down, even if that may fit our style more than theirs. I just think yeah. we can be better going fast, even if that's how they want to play. Yeah, yeah. they're going to run. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, RJ Davis and Caleb Love are electric. Like, they're just going to run and gun, pull up threes, pull up mid range. Um, yep. And if they do, like, that's the thing. If they do miss jumpers, like, Baycott's probably going to clean it up. You know he has 43 rebounds in the last two games? Yeah. yeah. It's cr- He's so nuts. crazy. Did you guys hear what Bill said today? Mm-hmm. Did you guys listen to that? So he well, was talking about Carolina, and he said that in the whole NCAA tournament, KU as a team has shot 91 threes. And yeah. between Manic and Love, they've shot 90, just them two, Dude. in the tournament. Yeah. Crazy. That's, why, that's why running with them – I mean, I think we have to do it. We've gotten here with our like our offenses. We have a better offense than them. We just do. Now, maybe we don't these last few weeks, but running scares me. But if you – I mean, you if we play even remotely close to the way we played last night, we will, we will win by double digits again. And it will be like – I know people will say it was a weak run. We didn't play a lot of good teams, but – I mean, we have a chance to – our lead eight game, we won by 26. We won our final four game by 16. If we can play similar to the level we played the last three halves of basketball and win by double digits again, it, you start to like be like, wow, okay. Maybe that wasn't a weak road. That team's just freaking elite and like showed up and pe- – we are peaking at the exact right time. Like the last three halves of basketball is – you can't ask for much more from this team. So – North Carolina is scary, but AB, I think me and you were saying it last night. Like, imagine, imagine telling us three, four, a month ago that North Carolina, we're playing them in a national title game as an eight seed. We are celebrating. And North Carolina is a terrifying team because they just came off one of the more impressive wins that you can win in college basketball. The pressure, the, the way they, I mean, ugh. It could have negated their big win at Cameron, and to step up and do it again was incredible. But, A.B., you called it before. Classic letdown spot. How, how Are you still feeling good about that uh, prediction you had? I think so. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i hold back on the 89-52 to 52, uh, final score prediction <laughs> for this one that I had last week. But, no, I, I just – especially the first five minutes or so. Um, yeah when, I mean, Baycott's hobbling around, getting used to the adrenaline and everything, and that, that's just typically where the letdown spots happen is in the beginning of the game. 
Yeah. So I'm not saying you have to go on a 10-0 run and make three straight threes to start the game again, but ideally you punch them right in the mouth, you get ahead, and you can just kind of go yeah. from there. Not cruise, but like put it in cruise control and just you know keep it with between six and eight points throughout the game, maybe more. Um, but the longer they hang around, we've just seen it. They're sick, and they can make you pay because they can – I mean, they'll just – they'll hit random 30-foot threes – and next thing you know, you're down by two. They did to do last night. They were down four, Dude. and then all of a sudden, they were up eight. They went on like a 12-0 run. Yeah, I mean, that shot Caleb Love pulled up over Mark Williams to dagger that game was just – I mean, it's scary because we've seen us – you you get flashbacks to Auburn, uh, the way they – in Villanova, like the teams that just launch from three like that. Uh, we've had some bad luck, but – I don't know. Our defense, I feel I feel pretty good about the way this team is guarding right now. Yeah. A or B turn. <laughs> Can you believe that Brady Manic could be a reason we maybe don't win the national title tomorrow? Like that that part of it all is making me sick. It's crazy. Like yeah, yeah, we're used to him from OU, but I was looking at his numbers last night. Like he's been I feel like he I always thought he was kind of stinky at OU, but like looking at his numbers, he was like close to forty percent from three every year. He's like thirty-seven or thirty-eight for his career, and right now he's averaging twenty and seven in the tournament, and he's nineteen for forty from three, which is forty-eight percent. And then, like just just looking at all their guys in the tournament, like R.J. Davis is averaging fifteen, five and six. Caleb Love's averaging twenty. Um, Baycott's averaging fifteen and seventeen. And then I like, and they have three guys that are in the starting lineup that are over six, eight. So it's like, it's kind of weird. Like thinking about who we're going to match up with who, because I know like yeah. leaky, leaky black doesn't like, he doesn't, um, he doesn't score the ball. Like he won't shoot, but I was like looking him up a little bit and like UNC fans, he's make like, it, make it seem like he's like some UNC fans think he's the best defender in UNC history. He's like crazy. the Marcus Garrett of KU 2020. Like he's like their fifth best player probably, but he brings something they desperately need. Cause like Brady Manick's not guarding a lot. Uh, I think even Davis and love struggle to guard at times too. So it's like leaky black gives them that element that takes them from a really bad defensive team to a team that can actually get stops when you need to get stops, put them on a good player. I assume he'll be on Ochai. So yeah, that's my worry. Like I, so, think, I think Leaky's gonna be on Ochai, and then I'm just nervous for this matchup. Like Leaky, he was on AJ Griffin on both games at Cameron and last night. AJ Griffin's gonna be a lottery pick, and he held he held him to three for twelve combined and eleven points in both games. And then I just think their guards, like so, Leaky's gonna be on Oach, and then their guards are, I mean, I would say they're just as good as ours right now. And then I would say Baycott's better than Dave, and then Manic can get out and shoot. And, He's like 50% for the tournament. So I'm yeah. just a little worried for this matchup as a whole. Like, I don't know. They're hot. I was terrified to have them as our eight seed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about, I want to go into the matchups a little bit, but you you kind of brought something up about it feels like Leaky Black being on Oach is going to make it so like a guy like CB is going to have to step up. But I want to talk about CB because I was tweeting uh, a lot yesterday, like, man, where's CB? Like, it feels like this game is missing a CB moment. You know, CB finds a way to come up big or at least interject himself into games. Like he's always a, a major part of the games. And it felt like he was just kind of floating around the court last night and it was getting concerning. But then you sit back and you're like, no, we've, we've seen this dude. He's gonna, he's gonna have a moment. And then late in that second half, I think they've got it to maybe seven again. And he came in or maybe eight, he drove in, he got the floater. And then the next play, he uh, gets the shot to, at the shot clock buzzer to, I mean, pretty much Dak. That was ball game. He yelled at the crowd and said, it's over, B word or whatever. Um, B word. B word. Um, I mean, do you trust CB? Obviously, I said, like, he was kind of floating around not doing much, but he did step up and essentially dagger the game. Do you trust CB if if Oach is contained by the, one of the best defenders in the country? Can he be a guy that kind of leads the way scoring-wise? Because I think – I don't know. You can't expect DeWan to shoot like he did again. So it's going to come down to, I think, guys like CB, Remy, and Jalen to really get points and keep up with the Carolina offense. I was going to say Jalen for sure, because if he's going against Brady Manick, I'm going to trust that matchup all day long. Just drive to the bucket, dish off to Dave like he did a few times yesterday, or just scored himself. Uh, So hopefully some shots start falling for him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just have a feeling of a Remy game. It's been a minute. So do I. This game seems – this is a Remy style too. Like yeah. Carolina's not going to be in his shorts guarding him close. Like they're going to kind of let Remy play free a little bit, um, and this is where he thrives. And nobody loves the – I mean, this is the biggest stage that any of these guys will ever play on, assuming they don't play in a Game 7 NBA Finals type game. But, like, I mean, Remy you know is just – so ready for this and it does feel like if if you get in an up-tempo run and gun game Remy's gonna stress us out because that dude will start chucking he'll see Caleb love chucking and he'll say oh I want to do that too Mm -hmm. Um, but man if he gets some of them fall it could it could be really fun yeah and I feel like he could open a lot of things up for Oak too like just with dribble penetration um yeah, with CB, I feel like over – I love CB, but over a 40-minute span, it kind of scares me because sometimes I feel like he disappears a little bit and isn't as aggressive. Like yesterday, he wasn't even looking for shots until late. I mean, yeah. he drove to the lane, made a floater, and then he made some he made some threes late. But, yeah, over a 40-minute span kind of worries me. And then I don't know, like, how do you guys feel about – because, like, last night, a lot of people are – a lot of KU fans feel confident because they're saying our defense is better than Duke's, but it's like – 
UNC's played against UCLA in the tournament. They played against Baylor in the tournament. Like those two defenses are ahead of ours in Ken Palm. And like, I know it went to OT, but they, they got hot against Baylor and they ended up scoring 90 plus. So it's like, yeah, our defense is better than Duke's, but I still feel like UNC is going to get 70 plus. Like we're going to have to play really damn good tomorrow night. Yeah. I don't, where do we, I mean, in comparison to like Baylor, where do we compare to them offensively? Because like UCLA obviously does not have the firepower we did offensively. I mean, I think they were still a top 20 efficiency offense and so was Baylor. So it is scary, but I don't know. I Baylor just wasn't healthy either. So I don't know. UNC's obviously went through a gauntlet to get here. They beat some really good teams outside of I mean St. Peter's. Peacocks, but, baby. Uh yeah, I mean it, it's true. We're gonna have, like our offense is gonna have to click. We're gonna have to make shots. We're gonna have to make threes. We're gonna have to get Dave, Dave against Baycott's concerning, but I don't know. Is Baycott like a big rim protector? I don't get that vibe. I don't or know. is he? I don't think so. I don't watch enough college basketball, but I mean he. <laughs> I, I feel like he can't jump that high, and I don't know if you guys I, watched like. I'm a big watch highlights after big games guy get straight on YouTube. And so I was watching KU and then I watched the final three minutes of Duke and then I finished it. I was like, wait, let me watch again. Cause I thought about Baycott's ankle and he, he was walking pretty damn gingerly dude. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just going to swell up. Yeah. So I don't know. Like there was a, I know Paulo, Paulo's a freak, but there was a rebound where Baycott couldn't even get up really. Like he got up a couple inches and Paulo tipped it back out. So, I mean, his ankle's obviously something to monitor, and that would be a huge break for us. But, yeah, I don't see him as, like, a rim protector. He's just a f- freak on the boards. Like, yeah. he's been a so, finisher on the rim, decent free throw shooter too. So, I do think Dave could still – I mean, Dave's not going to get 25, but I do think if Dave continues to just kind of play his game and stay under control in the post and – I don't know. I, th- I do think Dave sometimes plays better against – kind of bigger guy. Now, obviously, Toshibwe, it was not good for him, and Baycott's a freak, too. But uh, Can I do a little, little sprinkle while we're on Dave right now? Yes. Okay, so I've had the FanDuel website pulled up all tournament long just to monitor futures and everything like that, see, like, keep track of where KU was for the Natty. Um, and I just had it pulled up because I was looking at the line. What would you say his odds are to win tournament MVP or Final Four MVP or whatever? After last night? Yeah, right now. I don't know. I wouldn't think more than like plus 150, 200. Hit up your book, dude. He's 10 to 1 right now as we speak. Dave. Isn't that crazy? Does that it was my reaction to, too. Does it come down to the championship game or the whole I think it's the whole four. Final Four. Because Rio won it from the shot. Right. I mean, if someone hits a buzzer beater shot or a huge shot to like, you know, go into overtime or win a game and they're probably going to win it. But I mean, so who's the list? Read me the list. All right. Ochai's at plus 140. Caleb Love's at 450. Baycott's at 550. Mannix at 800. Uh, Then Dave's at 10 to 1. Remy's 14 to 1. Jalen and Brown or Jalen and Brown are both 26 to 1. I mean, yeah. But like to our point earlier, if Dave just has another good game. And say Ochai doesn't get his because Leaky locks him up. Yeah. And we win a game because of, I mean. Yeah, if we win tomorrow and Dave scores 16 and 8, but Och only has 12, 
like Dave's getting it. Like Dave has a lead right, right now on Ochai, even though Ochai was great. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ochai is the leader just because I think when it comes to those voting, like it's more name recognition. Ochai's shots were a little – I mean, the start he got off to four for four or six for six, but that first start in the first like 10 minutes, that sticks in voters' minds and things like that. But if you just mm-hmm. strictly look at overall performance, Dave should absolutely I mean, be the leader any – I would argue Man. Dave had better highlight plays that dunk yeah, that he I mean, had. The- I mean, he had a couple of dunks on like in transition a little bit, but and I think he won the player of the game on the broadcast, right? <laughs> yeah. They had like a whole feature of him in the under after oh, the yeah. other four He was ten for twelve from the floor and missed yeah. a dunk where he jumped like three oh, inches. Oh my god! That yeah, I, so I saw that early. I saw that earlier, and I was like, that can't be right, and it's just been sitting at it all day long. So. Kind of crazy. That's, that um, is crazy. I kind of wanted to talk about matchups with you guys for a little bit, um, just because it feels it almost feels obvious that they would put Dewan on Caleb Love, but like Caleb Love's kind of a taller guard. Like he's six four. I think Dewan's probably six or six one, whatever they list him at. But because it's like R.J. Davis is on fire. Um, yeah, and so I'm, like I worry about. Because maybe you put Oach on Leaky because Leaky's not going to provide much on offense, and maybe you give Oach a little rest there on that end and not exert as much energy. But then you put CB on RJ or Caleb Love, and those two are probably – I mean, they're definitely quicker than him. Um, That's then, what – So I'm just worried. I don't know. And then maybe Jalen because maybe Jalen on Manic. Yeah. I just I don't know who we're gonna put on Manic and I don't it screams Bill throwing a wild defense at UNC tomorrow to slow them down because they're so hot. It is a tricky uh situation with the two guards because yeah, makes sense. Put your best defender on their best scorer and Caleb Love, but is C B staying in front of I mean RJ Davis is quick and he can get in the lane and then he's setting up threes for Manic and setting up threes for love and so I don't know. Like part of me wonders, do you put Brown on Love and put uh Dewan on Davis? I don't know. That's gonna be a tricky matchup. Then I think I could see us putting getting a lot of two guard action out there with uh Remy and Dewan, especially if we as me and A B were talking about if this game kind of is a I mean, this is the style Remy wants to play. This would be a good matchup for him, I think, potentially. So Maybe we see two guards, but it goes back to the classic question we've asked all year. If you play two point guards, who are you sitting between Jalen, CB? You're not sitting Oach, so it's like you're not sitting Dave. So it comes down to CB or Jalen. So I don't know. I think for sure you can bank on Jalen on Manic, and you can bank on I think Oach on Leaky because you're right. You don't want him guarding their best one of either Love or Davis, having to follow them around. So. I don't know. That's the part that's kind of been keeping me up at night. It's like, man. One night? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's a cliche. Dude, Manic, you can't give him a centimeter right now. Like, if he has any any inch, any crease, he's firing it, and it's probably going in. Like, if he's wide open for three tomorrow, I'm automatically assuming it's going in. Kind of used to it from OU, but, dude, he's on fire, and I don't know. I'm. They're just so hot right now, but we just – I don't – like – I've been thinking all day about the letdown game. Like, it's almost – you texted us in the group. It almost feels like they won the national championship last night. Yeah. they Because the, the game in Cameron wouldn't have really mattered anymore if they lost. 
So Dude. it's like they back that up and they they're just on top of the world. Like feels like they already accomplished something almost. Like I'm not saying yeah. they're not going to show up, but it feels yeah, I mean, like it feels like we're more locked in. I don't pay as much attention to them, but I would say we're more locked in and more focused on tomorrow night. I agree. Uh, but you can say letdown game all you want, but are you really are you really sleeping on the national championship game? But I do think AB to AB's point, like the energy program. you exert yes. to get yourself amped for a game of that magnitude to then win and have the letdown of like, oh my God, I can't believe we did that. How do we do that? And now all of a sudden you got to get yourself back up to that level for the NCAA or the national championship game. Like, I don't feel like we, I mean, we exerted energy, but like, I felt like we kind of just, we showed up, we took care of business, we did what we wanted to do, and it was like, check, we're on to the next one real quick. Whereas, like, I think North Carolina players were riding that high, probably st- still to right now. Well, yeah. Okay, so put yourself in the position of, like, these two scenarios. Say you're Ochai Abaji, and you wake up this morning, what do you think your first thought is? Is it that you made six threes yesterday, and you won against Villanova pretty convincingly? Or is it, hey, tomorrow night we're playing for a national championship? Yeah. Now yep. put yourself in like Caleb Love's shoes. Hey, I just hit this fucking sick shot. We beat Duke late game. Coach K's dead. We're gonna have the upper hand over Duke forever. They're not yeah. gonna be able to say anything to us. Oh shit, we gotta play another basketball game in 36 hours. Yeah. Like that's kind of more of like the let I'm not saying they won't be excited to play. It's the national championship. You're gonna get excited when you show up to the environment, but it's more of just like the emotions of like you said. They just gave so much for that game. That game's going to be on their mind longer because it was closer. It was an awesome game to watch, and there was so much emotion involved with it. It's just going to stick with them longer. So it's not going to be on purpose, or they're not like they're like looking past us. It's more of just a they gave everything they had, and now they have to like, oh shit, we got to go play another forty minutes against a really good team. Yeah, I mean it. It's going to be – it'll be crazy impressive if North Carolina beats us. Like, it'll be one of those where you're just like, tip the cap, like, my God, you guys went on a monstrous run. Like, to beat Duke at Cameron, beat Baylor the one seed, beat UCLA, and then beat Duke again, and then turn around and beat Kansas a one seed, the best team left in the tournament. I mean, it would just be nuts, and it would be – and I kind of want to get into this before we wrap up, but, like, God, man, we've said for for – Years and I remember when 2020 happened, it felt like getting back to the level we were at in 2020. It felt so far away. Your dokes leaving, dots leaving. You didn't have a great class returning, and even like you see, oh yeah, we got Oach, we got CB, but you didn't see a national title coming. And here we are. We're in 24 hours away. We've got the best team left. We're four and a half point favorites. It's there. Like this can change Bill Self's legacy forever. He can go down. I mean, he can solidify. I think this could be controversial, but I think a win could solidify him as a top 10 coach all time. Like people may not be ready to say that yet, but when it's all said and done and you think he'll get more conference titles, he'll make a few more final fours. He may never win another national title if he gets the one tomorrow, but man, dude, like this, not only for our program getting another because we've kind of lacked in championships, but to get Bill Self another one, to get our program another one, it's there. We we joke about how in 2011 it was on a platter for us. Well, 
it's not only on a platter for like it's there we're about to like we can eat it now it's there we we are ready the moment is here and i'm like so nervous like i want to win this game so bad whereas that 2012 national title it was kind of like if we win it it's the greatest thing ever but like whatever we we did what we did like now i'm like at the point where does this game does this game tomorrow have potential to be one of the more like gut-wrenching losses in a long time if we lose because how hard is it to get back? Like, we're just going to be like, when are we ever going to win one? That's going to be our thought process right away. UNC is hot, but we're in the national championship against an eight seed. And yeah, Bill's resume, dude, like never been worse than a four seed. So many one or two seeds, so many elite eights. He's been the elite eight half the time at KU. So many conference titles, so many conference tournament titles, four final fours. And if he gets that second ring, you can't say shit about him. You can't. Do you guys think there's added pressure with what he's been saying all week now that we're into the title game where he said for as many good teams as we've had and as many chances as we've had, we don't have enough championships. Do you think there's any shred of a chance that that can make them come out tight tomorrow knowing that like they're right there and that's what they're playing for? I don't think so. My thing with this team is I just feel like they're so like focused and determined and loose. I don't know if you guys get that same vibe, but – I yeah. feel like they're so focused on Revenge in 2020, and I don't know. It's just they just seem so locked into winning Addy like everyone is going to be, but I just feel like it's a different mindset from this team, especially from 18, and they just have one goal, and, and they have, we got a bunch of seniors and things like that, so I would hope they don't come out tight. But, I mean, that big of a spotlight, and KU hasn't won one in 14 years, and Bill kind of gets crap for it, so uh. we better not come out tight. Because UNC can get hot quick. Yeah, that that is the concern. Is like, how do we respond if Caleb Love and Manic come out and hit? I mean, three threes in the first two minutes, and it's nine to two. Like, I trust this team to respond, but North Carolina can just hit so fast. Um, and it is a team that if you come out tight, they can take advantage really fast and make it hurt. But the Baycott thing's huge too. I mean, yeah. Because if they're not hitting threes, because that's the thing that worries me with them shooting it, is like Baycott's might Baycott's probably going to clean it up, and they're going to get a second look at it, like Nova did last yeah. night. So if he's out, especially with their rotation, dude. Like you go look at some of their box scores, and there's times where they're sixth or seventh man. They play like one or two minutes each, and all yeah. their starters are playing like thirty-eight plus minutes. So yeah. getting one of those guys in foul trouble could be massive. So I'm just looking at their their latest game, like kind of their schedule. So obviously they put up 81 against Duke, but scored 69 against St. Peter's, which I'm not putting much into that because that game is pretty much over. But, I mean, 73 against UCLA, that makes me feel good. Like UCLA was able to kind of keep them in check. Carolina just made the plays late. 93 against Baylor, a game that went to overtime in North Carolina was obviously for 24. 30 minutes of that game was the most electric basketball team you'll ever see. 95 against Marquette, terrifying. But then you're like, okay, 59 against Virginia Tech in the tournament, 63 against Virginia. I don't know. They have off games offensively. Like, it is very doable if we come out and play the defense we've been playing for this game to be in the 60s and 70s. And I I know you said you want to run, A.B., but I, I trust us. I don't know. I just trust Bill Self to out-coach Hubert Davis late in the game um, if it's in if it's in the 70s, 60s. But, man, if this game's in the 80s and it's just one of those up-and-down games, like that's where UNC thrives. That's where they mm-hmm. want it to be. But 
That's a, I mean, we haven't talked about him yet, but we should just say that we're overthinking this, and we have been for the last 45 minutes. A guy named Hubert, is he really going to win a title? <laughs> Year one, we've said it 100 times. This will get clipped forever That's if fine. we're wrong about that. I'll take that heat. Um, one yeah. thing I did want to add, uh, and it's kind of a little bit against the emotional letdown, is it at all that Carolina could be a little bit happy to be here at this point, but in a way that benefits them? Because if they lose this game, yeah, the seniors are going to be sad, whatever. But as a whole, Carolina is going to be thrilled with this season. They ended Duke. They go to a title game as an eight seed. Hubert Davis's first year. Like, this season's already like, like if they lose, it's whatever. For us, if we lose, we just talked about it a few minutes ago, we're going to be devastated and look back on this one for – Dude, depending it's, on how long it is until Bill wins another. But if he doesn't, I mean, this could be one where we're just – we think about it forever and it bites us in the ass more than any other loss we've had. It's Kentucky KU 2012 kind of flipped. And now a little different. We weren't an eight seed, but we were definitely – we were, were happy. A bigger to, underdog. Yeah, we were happy to be yeah. there in the national title game. In Kentucky, it was like Calipari hadn't won a title yet. They'd been to the Final Four the year before. Um and it was kind of like, okay, I mean, if Calipari can't get the job done with Anthony Davis and this team, it's like, what is he going to do? So, yeah, it's we were playing like nothing, house money, nothing to lose at that point. And I think that's how Carolina feels too. And they do just play so free and so loose. So we'll see. But God, man, 40 minutes, two teams were the better team, been the better team all year. I feel good. I feel good. I'm nervous as all can as human can possibly be, but we'll take it all day. Let's wrap this up. I want to get predictions. Uh, B turn. I'll start with you. The Kansas Jayhawks are playing in a national title game tomorrow night. What is your official prediction? Uh, <laughs> how do you even pick it? I can't pick against us in a national championship. Like no. there's just no way. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. I think it could be right around the eighties. I mean, the over is like, mid 150s so i'll go um 8177 kansas that was the duke unc score that would be wild ab uh give me the oh i hate this give me the basketball jayhawks 7970 final pull away late with free throws just a title game they're going to be fouling until it's literally impossible for them to come back. Uh, so I think it's closer than nine throughout the game, but a little bit of a misleading final score. I I think this – I've been thinking about it all day. I think this is going to be like the most stressful game of all time. Like I think it's a – comes down to the final minute, comes down to who can make plays. I just – I think our team's battle-tested from the Big 12. We, we played in so many close games. I like to think that if it comes down to that, I like our chances, so I'll go. Uh, I'll go seventy-five, seventy-one. Hawks win and just a grinder. What? We're going seventy-five points and two two natties in a row. Two natties. Seventy-five, sixty-eight. I was going <laughs> to say that we're going to hear this final score for the rest of our lives on an intro video. So if whatever sounds right to you guys. Seventy-five, seventy-one. Lock it up. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go seventy-five, seventy-one. I like it. I feel good about it. Let's uh, let's win a natty and have the greatest podcast episode of all time in a few days. Yes, 
let's please do. But that's it. Enjoy this episode, folks. Uh, man, what a run. The Hawks have put on one of the best runs we can ask for. Uh, we're here. We, we made a national title game after COVID, after everything. We're here. Uh, just playing North Carolina, you can't, you can't lay it out better. Um, I'm so excited, and we'll be back <laughs> later this week to hopefully recap KU's fourth national championship. That's it. Rock Chalk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.